0: they're trying to turn it that's from Miller that's it on Jamie Smith's going through Jimmy Smith that sets up he goes in again Jamie Smith, the first player sets Billy Knox to score two in a European tie for Aberdeen and they are on route and on their way to the last 32 of the Europa Cup
1: Aberdeen looks for a the hero they find one Jimmy Smith
2: it's beginning to go a lot like Christmas for Aberdeen
0: welcome to the latest By The Minute Aberdeen podcast. Now joining me tonight to look back on both uh, well, three games uh, and uh, ten days in which the mood of the Aberdeen support has probably swung quite dramatically since we last convened, which was on uh, the night of the infamous uh, Ranger statement, uh, which gave us a new word to the lexicon of Scottish football. Joining me to look back on that period is, as always, I have Martin Clunas with me. Martin, how are you?
2: I'm doing great Richard, full of Christmas cheer
0: Excellent, very glad to hear it and we're delighted to welcome back onto the podcast uh, a man who um, those in Aberdeen will probably still very fondly remember from his time as lead singer at Drive Blind uh, but is also known for making it to the final few in The Voice USA a couple of years back now getting under his own name it's Terry McDermott Terry, great to have you back on Hello, mate. How's it going? Yep, really good, really good. Uh, Terry's joining us uh, from Louisiana, but I can assure you his passion for the dawns hasn't dimmed by being a couple of thousand miles away from Pit So let's kick off by looking back, right the way back, to last Friday night at Dents Park. One deep before that, because um, unfortunately, when we recorded last Thursday, Martin, uh, we didn't have the hilarity that was the latest d- gym trainer penned masterpiece uh, that. G- Give us a uh, concomitant.
2: I know, I think it's been well said by pretty much every Scottish football fan, but the, the banter years at Rangers are really never going to end, are they? Probably for the first time ever, I actually felt so- sorry for some of the Rangers supporters. No, the less mental ones that is, obviously. Um, their club is quite rightly seen as a bit of a joke, and, you know, Jim Trainer is, you know, for lack of a better term, a buffoon. Clearly, no, tear-stained and bitter was was probably the best way to describe that statement, um, Obviously, you know, we loved it. It was, it was frankly, it was hilarious. Um, yeah, the, a rejection from Derek McInnes didn't go down too well, and um, a spurned lover really saying, you know, he never really wanted him anyway. It was, it was beautiful, wasn't
0: it? It really was, and I think what it also did help Terry was, in a funny kind of way, it helped to galvanise the Aberdeen support back behind Derek McInnes, because I think by Thursday afternoon, certainly, before we got news that he'd rejected it, a lot of people were beginning to express a lot of doubts about him.
1: Well, to be honest, if, if Jabba the Hun and his PR team insist on playing the pantomime villain, we're not exactly going to argue, are we? <laughs> um, I mean, they, they kind of they make it easy for us. I'm a little bit perturbed at, at, at the fact that some of the, the support seem a little bit reluctant to, to get behind Derek, because, I mean, in all honesty... He is a Rangers man, he's a Glasgow man, you know, he, he played for the team, so I think actually it's quite remarkable that his love for the club um, and obviously the circumstances contributing to this play play a major factor, but I, I really do think it needs to be said that anybody in that position you would expect their head to be turned and, and to take a walk, but he didn't, um, he showed loyalty, he stuck with the club, and I think that has to be rewarded, but like you say, if... If Rangers insist on playing the pantomime, if they insist on being the absolute farcical comedy show that they are, it makes it very easy for us to, sit, to, to band together and, uh, and well, let's all laugh at Rangers.
0: Now we've just settled a little bit, Martin. How, how do you find yourself feeling about that uh, that week, that rather fraught week we had?
2: It wasn't a lot of fun. When the thought was that he was going to go, you could see the kind of the wheels coming off the season. Um, the worry was there. Um, definitely, it wasn't. It wasn't a great time to be to be an Aberdeen fan. I mean, some of the stuff online was pretty was pretty horrible. As we're as we're going to discuss later in the show, I think that you no, know, it's been turned around. And I mean, you know, there was even there was even a chorus of Oh Derek McInneson's, um Saturday lunchtime. So uh, it's not too bad.
0: Yeah, there absolutely was, and um, I think again it helped that we had a game the very next night. Um, that was at Dens Park. Now really I think uh, what we should express here is a, a note of thanks to, to Paul Sheehan and Barry Robson who'd taken training for a couple of days that week and were probably as much responsible for that very hard fought, pretty ugly 1-0 win at Dens Park as anybody else was. But again the atmosphere amongst our way support, it was mocking the Ranger statement with that banner, it was getting behind the team, it was getting behind Derek McInnes. Any watching press will have to no doubt that there was a sense of unity there.
1: I think we, we've, we've had it very good lately. Maybe some younger Aberdeen fans, uh, you know, this might all be very new to them, but, I mean, if you're long enough in the tooth, you know what it was like when we were a very solid team, particularly in the, the early 90s, when, you know, it felt like it would just go and go. And we've also known what it's been like to have the, the, the rug taken from under us over the last 20 years as well. So we've had it really good lately. So I think that the whole McInnes-Rangers debacle, I think, kind of shook the foundations a little bit and it was kind of a little remember of the bad old days. But, yeah, I think... Uh, I think the outcome was right. So Den's Park was, was perfect I and mean, the timing was great. And it, the victory kind of reassured us, oh, OK, we're back on course and off we go. So, yeah, a bit grim for a win, but I, I think any result that night would have would have been the ideal uh, the ideal end because we just needed to get back on track.
0: And, yeah, absolutely, Martin. If any evening epitomises the whole, um, you know, it doesn't matter how how badly you play, the win is the win is the win, then it's that night at Den's, isn't it?
2: It was all about. Win- I mean, every game is obviously about winning, uh, but that one was just a case of it's just to get over the line, get three points. Um, the back and the back in the support was great, um, and it's not just Derek McInnes as well. You saw you saw Tony Doherty at the end as well because he's kind of been forgotten in all this. You know that if if McInnes was going to go, Doherty was probably going to go as well. And you saw what it meant to him at the end, getting into it with Neil McCann, really Ging up the support at the end as well. And it was it was great to see. It's like it's not just it's not just about Derek McInnes. No, the the full, the management team both really want to be here.
0: First goal that evening First goal for the club uh, For Scott McKenna Now um, Terry you, you wouldn't have Necessarily seen him, in, seen him In the flesh But he He has the real build Of a centre half Doesn't he? Uh, he looks like I mean To use, a, to use an often used uh, term he, he looks
1: like A bit of a specimen This kid I mean He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's the sort of centre-back you would have expected Martin Martin O'Neill to be scouting for Celtic. He's huge. Um, and it's just what you want. You want an athlete centre-half who's, who's towering. And it's maybe something that we've been missing. Uh, you know, Mark Reynolds, when he's been on form, which, granted, it's maybe been a while since we've seen that, but when he, was, when he came to the club, he was quick, but he certainly didn't have the height. And Scott McKenna looked to me like he might be the package deal.
0: And he showed a touch of a striker, Martin, didn't he, to, to get the winner?
2: I, don't, he, I mean he admitted himself he didn't really know how know, know how we managed to get it in there, and it was a bit of a i was a bit of luck there you know but if you if you don't you know at least try and stick a leg out take a chance you know and we and we were no, we were well worth the win um but it was you no know, there was a touch of fortune about the goal but um yeah it was great for, great to see him get his first goal and you know hope you no know, i'm going to pretty much assume he's going to be in the side for a long time to come let's hope so, and you know, here's too many more.
0: Yes, but then again, we all thought Xander Diamond would have fifty caps. Anyway, so,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Not upset about that. <laughs> <it>? <laughs> I'll let the uh, laughter die down on that before we move on to the next uh, topic, which is we rolled on to McDermott Park, Perth, St Johnston. Usually a very, very difficult opponent for us, but especially under Tommy Wright. And um, we'd beaten them 3-0 earlier on in the season at Portaudry and maybe one of our more coherent performances. But I don't think anybody was necessarily expecting a repeat as the side seemed to be still finding their feet uh, post that poor run of form whilst the speculation continued about Derek McInnes' future. Now, uh, the selection, Martin, it was quite intriguing because it was the exact same eleven that had played St. Johnson in the home match. I, I don't think that's coincidence, is it? I think it's a case of maybe... M- Derek has thought about A system and a style of player That can actually match up to Tommy Wright Who he's had a lot of trouble against uh, To date uh,
2: Definitely, I mean you, you look at the starting 11 And Considine's played a lot of minutes this season And he didn't start um, Which I thought was quite telling There's, There is a style of football that Tommy Wright plays you know, it's, it's industrial shall we say um, And that, that starting 11 you know, Maybe you, know, you can argue over Stewart or Mackay Stephen. Right, you know, I'm not going to fight anyone if you put off which one of those you want to pick to start, but that was a really strong start in 11, probably our best start in 11. St Johnston barely laid a glove on us all evening. Um, it was so I was watching the back, I was some Wesley played some really, really good football as well, which you know, we've not been great so far this season, you know, we've racked up quite a few wins, but it's not been, it's not been wonderful to watch at times. There was a lot of talk that. No, not just not just from you know out with and out with Aberdeen as well. No, some of us had said it as well that Tommy Wright might have Derek's number. Well, he's not had it this season, and you can't just say, "Oh, the St Johnston bubbles maybe burst," because here is a guy who kind of keeps getting linked with these kind of maybe slightly better jobs, and his name's always there or thereabouts for Tommy Wright. But no, Derek, had, Derek has got his number now, and we absolutely played him off the park.
0: Yeah, it was a very very convincing win, but the first goal is always crucial, and. Um... You know, it's a man who's been seemingly written off quite a few times who got it to score hat trick against Johnston early in the season. And it's a very, very smart finish, isn't it, Terry, by, by Adam for the first goal. Um, it's just the what he's about when he gets given decent service. I think
1: that's the frustration. You know, we're a, we're a team of... We, don't, we certainly don't have the resources of the likes of uh, Celtic and, dare I say, the other chief. But it seems like when we plug one hole, another appears because we've got the likes of Adam Rooney. Obviously, we've got Stevie May now as well. Fantastic. Um, but we don't have the, the kind of consistency in service. And uh, I think Rooney, far more than May, is uh, absolutely uh, dependent uh, with his style of play on that, that really accurate final ball, that, that, that ball across the six-yard box, which is going to cause all kinds of problems. And you've got to deal for him because he put in the effort, and he's, he, you know, he's, he's certainly doing all the right things in the work, but he's just not getting the ball to feet. Um, he's not a back... To goal striker as much as Stevie May is so he's dependent on those crosses coming in and we're, we're just not doing it. So, so to see him grab one when it is
0: coming in is fantastic and he, he, he's doing a lot of work. Yeah, it, it does feel, Martin, as if there's still a kind of feeling out between the, the new attacking uh, wide players, attacking midfielders we brought in and our existing strike force. As Terry rightly points out, Stevie May can do something like he did for the third goal at Kilmarnock. He can, he can pretty much create something out of very little. Rooney is a... Is a predatory penalty box striker but tellingly, the assist from Greg Stewart for that first goal last Wednesday was also Greg Stewart's first assist of the the season Uh, before Saturday there'd only been one assist from Mackay Stephen and nothing from Scott Wright so it wasn't working for Rooney and it wasn't working for the guys supplying Rooney either.
2: That's probably why you know, like I said a, a moment ago, there that it's not been great, to, great football to watch. You know, despite the despite the victories, um, you know you're looking at Greg Stewart. Okay, he's on loan. He's came with a, he's got a pretty, pretty decent reputation. You know, he is, we know he's a good player. We've seen him play for Dundee. We've seen him do good things there. You no, know, it didn't take, it didn't work from Birmingham. So he's here to try and rebuild his, repu- rebuild his reputation a little bit, maybe get back in their squad, who knows, maybe he wants to come here full time. It was great to see him get, get his first assist, we need, you need, we need more of that from him though, he doesn't, he's not much of an athlete so he's not going to be bombing up and down the wing. He needs to contribute more in terms of assists and one's great, you know, but, but him and Mackay Steven and Dwight as well, we're, we need more from them.
0: Terry, I guess this is really maybe one of the uh, drawbacks to Derek McInnes' tried and tested recruitment strategy of going and picking up guys who've gone down south in the SPFL, maybe struggled, maybe struggled for game time, or maybe not even gone down south, gone to Celtic in Mackay Stevens' case. You're picking up guys who, who have got a track record, but they are out of form, and they're not necessarily going to hit the ground running, are they? Uh, the essence of our
1: strategy is that we take gambles. Uh, I think we take gambles far more than, than the teams that we're, we're trying to, to compete with um, have to. Uh, so I think Derek deserves a lot of credit in that regard because uh, some of the gambles, we all know that this, there's, been, there's been some duds. Uh, there's definitely been some players that have come in and it just have not worked out. But he certainly takes in players that when, from a fans point of view, when we pick them up, you're like, okay, he's got pedigree and I'm excited to see him. Might not necessarily work out. But I still think the guy that he's picked in brought in this season – I still think they can come good. I think Gary McCoy Stephen, we all know there's a player in there, We're hiding, uh, you know, three games out of four we don't know. Uh, he certainly just had a patch before. But that's a great example, you know, we all know it's a gamble and that's that's very much the essence of, of what we just have to put up with. You know, there's no point in getting mad about it. We don't have three million to go and spend on a player that's uh, you know an assured international playing week in, week out and absolutely banging them in. We have, Derek has to take these guys in and do something with them.
0: Well, it certainly was a, just a sense upon the final whistle last Wednesday that, okay, beginning to pick up some kind of form. But they asked, there was going to be a, an acid test with the visit of Hibbs on Saturday. Uh, back to Pataudri, where recently our record has not been great. Home defeats to Celtic, Motherwell and the Rangers. Uh, and a lot of noise and a lot of... Um, Slightly retrospectively unwise statements coming out of Easter Road ahead of the game And not just Easter Road but the press on their behalf as well Very much talking up Hibs as the the second best football team in the country Uh, Hastily revised the footballing team after they also lost to the Rangers uh, midweek when we were beating St Johnston But Neil Lennon was very much put back in his box wasn't he Martin It It was as close to a perfect display as we've managed this season
2: the statement you came out with, I mean, what was I think it was? If Rangers are the second, Rangers are the second best team in the country. Where are we? Um, well, Rangers aren't the second best team in the country. No, as as we've said many times on this podcast, and no, we will say it yet again. They're not. Hibs were pretty good against Rangers. No, they lost the game, but but they were they, they played pretty well, and Rangers were very lucky to get a win out of that game. Um, you know, fortunate handball decision, all that kind of stuff. That's not my problem. That's theirs. So for Lennon, things like he was saying, no, they've not been dominated by other teams than Celtic. So, well, he has been now. You know, and he really was put back in his box. Saturday was was an excellent performance, and quite frustratingly, Lennon just kind of took it and sort of admitted the better the better man won, um, which was kind of you know I'm sure Aberdeen fans were kind of annoyed. We wanted tears. But let's be honest, we did. <laughs> I just, I just, I feel that you know, it was, a, it really was. It was as close to perfect as you're going to get on Saturday.
0: Uh, I tell you what, Terry, maybe we didn't get tears out of Neil Lennon, but when we beat Hibs Easter Road a few months ago, we got a lot of tears out of Hibs support that day who accused us of trying to kill the game and bullying our way to three points, uh, which I think a lot of the Aberdeen support were delighted at because it's a thing which we've not done in the past seasons and we've been bullied out of games ourselves. But Saturday was, we were just better in every department than Hibs, weren't we?
1: Yeah, uh, I saw the game, and I, and I, and I saw what Neil, Neil Lennon said. Look, Neil, Neil Lennon, uh, you know, I, I know he's the man we love to hate, and, and <laughs> quite rightly so, but, um, but he is quite astute. I know he's trying to fire his players up. He's tried to, he obviously trying to unsettle us a little bit and, and, and push our buttons. And in truth, that can go one of two ways, and, and he got the other way, which is, you know, he caught us in thinking in a rich vein of form, we would hope, and, uh, yeah, let's make, you know, let's not be unfair on the team. It wasn't so much that hims were bad as we were just fantastic. Um, and, the, you know, I've mentioned Gary Mackay-Steven there But, I mean, who would have put money on a Gary Mackay-Steven hat-trick in that fashion? So, uh, fantastic credit to the team and, and I think Neil Lennon will indeed have to get back in the box for another couple of weeks
0: Gary mackay Stephen obvious headline grabber But before the match started, I mean, I guess there were two main talking points about the Dons lineup: Gary mackay Stephen being brought back in for Greg Stewart who'd started the last three games, first time Stewart actually started three games running, whereas Stewart was maybe one of the better performers at Perth. Martin, did, were you surprised at Mackay-Steven being brought back in? Or is it again, like the case with keeping the same team against St Johnston, Mackay-Steven started and obviously scored at Easter Road?
2: It's, it's a little bit of both. I think, the, I think the main reason is that I think that Mackay-Steven, for me, has probably got a bit more pace. McInnes will have seen you know, who was starting, and their team that we're going to we're going to come to that come to him in a minute knows what type of player um, FA is knows find that um, Gary Mackay Stevens able to get to him you know just run it, run at him I was a little bit surprised because you know we, you know we're talking about switching switching lineups and things like that so um, and there was a lot of reaction about it when you look at the lineup there um, I think a lot of people were sort of saying oh this is and there was there was a lot of it before the game this is a time no Mackay steven needs to show up now he owes us a performance well. Um, we know what happened next don't we
0: I think the other thing Terry beforehand Before the game that people were maybe worried about fretting about Was the left back position Andy Considine chosen to start there uh, Graham Shinney moved to midfield Which we'll come on to in a second But people were worried about the raw pace of uh, Martin Boyle Aberdonian, Don's fan Martin Boyle as it is uh, Up against Andy Considine. But Andy Basically, took it in a stride as he has done from most of his Don's career. And there was just nothing down yeah. that side at all, was there? No, he's. Uh,
1: you know, Andy has to respect the Aberdeen fans for a reason. He's, he's not an out and out left back. He never has been. He doesn't pretend to be. But he does a great job there under often difficult circumstances. I mean, we have to be honest and say that he's been exposed on occasions. But you know, again, that comes down to resources. If we could run out and buy another left-back that would match up to the players they're facing, then you know, great. But that's, that's just not going to happen, apparently. And he has done great. And I think up against somebody like Martin Boyle, who has got quick feet and can get in past you, um, I thought he did great. Um, and, uh, again, that's, that's not been the case the whole season. And, and I, I think I'm not the only Aberdeen fan with reservations about uh, him in that position when he comes up against somebody that likes to cut inside him. When he, when he gets turned, I think he leaves far too much space. But again, that's not, you know, that's, that's, that's the centre-half playing left-back. So, yeah, he did
0: great and he, and he deserves credit for it. Um, the first goal, Martin, came very early on and it's beautifully constructed... McGinn, uh, sorry, McLean rather, not McGinn, because McGinn did bugger all really in the game. Uh, Kenny McLean, beautiful ball out wide. Mackay Steven is, has the awareness to knock it back on the full into what was a space that Graham Shuney was coming in to occupy and, and very well finished. But it really shows the benefits for me of a midfielder determined to get into that box for that attack. And maybe that's something we haven't always had maybe some of our midfielders have just been too reluctant to really bust a gut to get into that uh, attacking position in the past.
2: Yeah, I mean, I said the same when we're, when the go- as soon as the goal happened on Saturday, um, it's the benefit of having, a- having someone arriving late into the box, and that's the kind of thing that I'm sure that, you know, they've worked on before, where it's just like, so a wa- no, one-touch, you know, mackay Stephen didn't want to take it down and maybe take it Take it, it all by himself. It's just these, obviously saw him, saw Shinny burst his burst in the gut to get there. Um, brilliant ball in, brilliant ball back across to him, um, and it was it was just such a well worked goal. And it's just it's like the the whole game. It was like we were we're watching almost a different Aberdeen because um, we were watching some actual football.
0: And if there was a lot of hype about Hibbs pre-match, it was really probably centred on our midfield, Terry. Uh John McGinn seems to be the cause-celeb for um, Scottish football writers and fans this year. Uh, he's the coming thing, apparently, in the next Scott Brown. Um, well, Scott Brown has never disappeared quite as much from a match as John McGinn had on Saturday. Him and his partner uh, Dylan McGeoch were completely overshadowed by Graham Shinney and Kenny McLean, weren't they? Yeah, and I think we all know that Scott Brown only selectively disappears when it's a Scotland games he doesn't want
1: to play in. <laughs> but um, the, but John, John McCain, yeah, he's been singled out as the golden boy, and uh, and frankly, he didn't get a look in. Um, I'm not entirely sure what what Graham Shinnie did in a past life to uh, be as vehemently overlooked as he is. I mean, the fact that even Malky Mackay wouldn't take a sniff at him is just you know, it's just unbelievable. We 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 see the player, uh, you know, week in week out. We know what he brings not just to the team. I mean, he's quite a skillful player, Graham Shinney. I mean, he's got an eye, he's got a great pass. He's certainly not short of guile. Uh, he knows how to tackle. Um, and when the chips are down, he's the sort of guy that get, get, gets stuck in and, and, and basically can help you dig out a result. So for McGinn to get all the plaudits and, again, Shinney just to get the, get the two fingers in the pass, uh, I, I really don't know what he's done. But he must have done something because, um, it, you know, it's consistent. And no matter how many pundits go on the television and talk about
0: him, it seems that people in higher places just won't take him on. Yeah, I d- we, we tend not to speak too much about Scotland on this podcast because it would just anger up our blood. But uh, <laughs> Marky Mackay calling Graham Shinney into the squad for the last Scotland game and then leaving him on the bench for the 90 minutes is just trolling at the very highest level, quite frankly. Um, really? But after that first goal, it, it becomes the guy Mackay... Stephen Shaw, well, it doesn't quite just become the guy Mackay Stephen Show because I think we also have to acknowledge that the Kibbs defence played their part um, by, by some memorable moments. I mean, for example, the first goal, Martin. I mean, when was the last time you saw him win a tackle anywhere, anywhere on the pitch, let alone in the opposition box, as he did for the lead up for his first goal?
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't think I have to be honest I mean, okay, I didn't see every single minute Of every single game he played For his previous two clubs But uh, he's certainly He's certainly not perform- done that When he's been in a, an Aberdeen shirt anyway um, Just goes to show the desire Though maybe, you no, know, it's maybe It's galvanised maybe the players as well Where the, you know, the manager's staying They've got something to prove now They you know, He's not played every game He's had his little incident earlier in the season With the carry-on in Glasgow Um He's maybe just now realised it's it's time it's time for it's his time now and he wants to be a, a big part of this side and the, desi- the desire he showed all all game was was just wonderful.
0: If the centre half's getting out tackled by McKay, Stephen wasn't bad enough. Uh, Terry, you then had the goalkeeper falling away from the ball and making a concerted effort not to save it as well. Exactly, and he's,
1: he's putting it in off the post, and you know it it just felt like uh, it, when, when when Gary McKay, I mean. If you ever watch his highlight reel, and granted that leaves out some of the some of the ones he misses, but um, you know he's a very enigmatic player. Uh, we all know what he's capable of doing. He can he can score them from anywhere when he wants to, when he's in the mood. Um, and when he is in the mood, you know beware beware being a defender because he he has the ability to go past you and the ability to. I mean, one of his little touches there, not to not to get off the point too much, but he took one little touch. I think I forget which goal it was for, where he kind of just brought the ball back inside against the, the players run of play and. Um, and, you know, it was, if it had, I thought at the time, if it had been by an English Premiership player or if the touch had been by a Celtic player, they would have been absolutely fantasizing on the radio about seeing that again and again. Um, you know, we've been talked about endlessly, but as it is, you know, it's, it's, it's us, so they, they, they don't bother to talk about it that much. But, yeah, when he's on that kind of form, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to imagine that, you know, who's, you're like, who's the other Gary Mackay Stephen that we've been watching because this is the player that we all want to see. Uh, and this is the player I think we all expected to see. So, yeah, I think he, I think we know which one, or he should know uh, which which player he has to be if he wants to stay in a red shirt. Because um, he certainly can't he certainly can't uh, have zero service, zero assists, and then throw one of these games in every five games. It's not it's not gonna it's not gonna cut it.
0: And his sharpness on Saturday was really exemplified by his second, Don's third goal just before half time, which kind of sealed the game. But, you know, we have to salute one of uh, the long standing Scottish football favourites, Effie Ambrose, for his contribution once again to the Don's. Martin. He's a legend.
2: Yeah, he he, he really is. one of the things is listening to the post-match interview where um, where Lennon defended him. I almost kind of felt sorry for Ambrose because I understood where Lennon was coming from. Um, at least Ambrose was trying to. We've we've said here before when we've taken we've taken a pretty sore defeat. You know, you want someone to put your foot in the ball. Ambrose was at least trying to kind of do something. Not for that goal, he was absolutely hopeless for that goal. Uh, but. He was on the pitch for the full 90 minutes He was trying to find passes He was trying to do something But Hibbs just didn't show up And, you know, it, it, Ambrose is quite rightly you know, A figure of comedy in Scottish football and, and hopefully long may that continue
0: And Terry, you're quite right The Don's first goal And indeed the Don's fourth goal on Saturday Were both goals that If it were a Man City or a Barcelona That scored them They would have, they would have broken the internet Some magnificent interplay Especially for the fourth And, um yeah, four up after the hour. Uh, any part of you a little bit disappointed we took a foot off the gas? Well,
1: I think I think we have had it thrown in our faces and some would say with justification that we have not been ruthless enough and that's probably putting it mildly. Uh, so yeah, when you're four up after an hour, you'd like to see a main street take over and really just put them under the knife and, and, and finish the job and, and keep it going. Um I think one of the differences between this team, perhaps, and our, and our team that lost the Scottish Cup final last year was that there was a real grimace about that team when they needed it between Johnny Hayes and McGinn, tearing players up on the, on the wing. You, you really felt that there was a never-say-die attitude. This team, I wonder if they're maybe just a little lacking in that confidence, maybe a little bit meeker, uh, and it would have been nice to see them put that one to bed. And, and of course, we get the bottling a- accusations thrown at us all the time as well, but they could have put that one to bed but by really giving him the doing that they deserve. 4-1 looks good. You know, a five or a six, I think, could have
0: easily been on the cards. It was a very, very solid win, but think of the statement, Martin, it could have been sent out if we'd sent him away with six, which it could have been with the penalty kick we were denied and the offside goal, which was uh, ruled out.
2: Yeah, I mean, it certainly could have been. I think, you know, you you make a change after, I think it was just before the hour when you take off Rooney, and then ten minutes later you make another change and take off uh, Makai Stephen, um, and it kind of disrupts things a little bit. But you know, we had a, we had a perfectly good good goal disallowed. You know, could have quite easily had a penalty, and the, it's it's there. Um, so I, I do understand that it is disappointing. I mean, no, it's no. You want, you want to be, you know, Hibs will be there or thereabouts In terms of, you know, within maybe 10 points of us at the end of the season They're one of the, they're one of the teams that will be a, they'll be a top 6 team definitely So you cannot you know, of, when it's it was different last season When you were given, you know, a poor Motherwell side Or a poor Dundee side a bit of a doing um, When you're doing it to one of the better sides in the league It really, it really would have sent a message out
1: I can just add as well and say that you know, we're quite, we're quite rightly getting quite rosy-cheeked about beating Hibs 4-1 and it was 4-1 going on 6-7. But, you know, it is it is obviously going to stick in our side that we're doing that to Hibs. But when we've played teams, say, above Hibs, for example, we've played the Rangers, we've played a team like Motherwell, at one point we we're on great form, and even like capitulation at times. So that's, that's the Jekyll and Hyde of our Aberdeen side that is so frustrating and unnerving. Because which team turns
0: up? The one that demolishes Hibs and absolutely makes them look like a joke or the one that looks like a rabbit in the headlights? There's definitely this season a suggestion that certain teams have definitely got tactically our number. You've only got to look at the fact that Motherwell and the Rangers came up with and scored pretty much identical goals in successive home matches. So um, maybe Hibs are just a good match-up for a season. Maybe St Johnston weirdly, are a good match-up for this season and some of, some of these other sides aren't. Maybe it's just a case that now we're hitting some form now we're getting some confidence and we go on the sort of run that we've seen these past few seasons. But that will be sorely tested this coming Saturday when we visit Parkhead. Uh, now, Martin, is this a good time to play them or a bad time to play them after they got absolutely hounded at Tynecastle on Sunday?
2: <laughs> well, um, as we record this on Tuesday night, they're obviously they're playing Park tomorrow night. Um, so... Uh, hopefully, you no. Know, they'll get out of their system tomorrow against Partick um, and give them. They'll probably go in dry against them. Um, no, they're they've got good players. No, there's probably there's probably not such a thing as a as a good time to play them. Um, they've been they've been struggling all season. You know, I think they've I think before Sunday they they'd drawn their last three away games, um, so they've not been great. we under understandable. Um, I mean, you've got to play them at some time And you know, we're playing well So I think it's different compared to maybe previous seasons Where we've not been flying Or we've been grinding out results you know, the last We've played two games St Johnston and Hibs We've absolutely, you know, basically annihilated them, them two So it's maybe, it's, maybe it's our time it's, it's all about our game
0: I mean there'll have to be at least one line-up change Terry, um, obviously Ryan Christie Isn't available due to the terms of his loan move um, Would you make Any other changes and as far as you're concerned is the is the approach probably more important than the actual players who are playing
1: I think we've already seen that uh, well from a, from a personnel change point of view I think the, the Ryan Christie uh, situation it really really leaves a bad taste in the mouth when you come up against these games because he's such a game changer he's a big game player and he really can make things happen we all we've all seen the lad he's got just tremendous skill and he's Clearly destined to play at a very high level, and then to come in against—I mean, there's no make no bones about it—easily the best team in the league on their day. Um, and then say, "Well, you're going to you're going to take one of your best players out of the lineup." It really is a handicap, as if we needed one. Um, in terms of other personnel changes, I, I really think that you want to just grab the rich vein of form from that win and let the same players go out there and do it. A little bit concerned about again Andy Constantine left back. I mean, you know, who knows what the manager's thinking, but I sometimes wonder if, if he'd really benefit from Graham Shinney going in at left-back and, and stopping their winger is absolutely torturing us. I mean, we saw what, uh, granted it's Logan that'll have to deal with it. but we saw what Tierney did to Logan when he pushed more than 10 yards out of position. I mean, he flew by him like he was a train. Um, and that's that's the sort of thing that worries me about this weekend. Um, it's, it's really hard to know whether we should be getting in our heads and, and uh, if it's about attitude or if it's you know about getting away from what they're going to do and and being more concerned about what we're going to do. I, I do wonder if, and I know I, I heard this accusation from some Aberdeen fans saying in the last L game, it looked like all the the, the freedom that we've been playing with had been cancelled out because we we concentrated almost wholeheartedly on what they were doing.
0: Yeah, Martin, there's a real desire I sense amongst the Don support for us to really go there and take the game to them and, and play. Without fear, without being uh, impeded by who we're up against on Saturday.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, it's. You know, I think it's fair to say that in the last maybe two, three seasons, as times we've gone there, we've played. We've played the shirt rather than the players. That, players in them. Um, I include some of the. You know, particularly, some of the times when they had Dial as manager. Um, you know, if we can, if we can replicate, how, you know, the kind of desire and just the the, the some of the bravery that we shown when we played Hibbs. Um, you know, Hibs didn't get a second on the ball, much like you know Celtic didn't get a second on the ball against Hearts yesterday uh, on Sunday. Sorry. Now, I'm I'm not advocating, you know, kind of adopting some sort of Levine style tactics um, because we're we're actually a very good football inside. Um, and you're coming up against a team that are struggling, you know, I mean I think there probably would be changes. I'd be I'd be surprised if he starts with May and Rooney. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't complain if he did. I mean you know I mean if you talk about who replaces Christie, I mean you know, obviously I'm joking, but it would be nice if we could sign Niall McGinn in time for the game. Sorry,
1: I, say, I hate to say it but that's exactly what we miss. Uh, you know, Niall Obviously, Johnny is completely out of our reach right uh, now, and, and he's made his choice. But, I mean, it's the, the likes of Niall McGinn, um, there, there's a more consistent delivery. And if, if you're going to play the likes of Stevie May, who, let's, let's be honest, can mix it. He can mix it very well in the box. He's a, big, he's a physical lad when he wants to be. Uh, you need a consistent delivery, and we're just not seeing that. And I, I don't know how you beat the champions if you're not consistently getting it behind them and putting balls into the box.
0: Well, that was actually a question that's been posed by my ever-changing moods on Twitter. It, he wants to know, um, you know, how do we feel about Nam again coming back, and uh, how it's going to impact the squad? Because if you thought we were overloaded with attacking players post the summer transfer window, if we add Nam again to that, then it's even worse, surely, Martin?
2: Um, perhaps. I mean, it would. I mean, if he was to come back, you know, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't wish him. NAL well, you know, he's, he's gone over there, he's came back, he comes back with his wheelbarrow full of cash, um, f- you know, fair play to him, but he, he's coming back, whether he comes to Aberdeen or not, he comes back to Scotland with a point to prove, um, he's lost his place in the international setup as well, um, he is still a very good player, um, I understand obviously that, you know, you have, you have Wright, you have Mackay Stephen and you have, uh, Greg Stewart, so there is, Obviously, you no, know, wide players there that someone's going to miss out. Now, you, know, you can even include Frank Ross in that as well, who's, I think, would probably still be injured for Saturday anyway. Um, so, we do have what you could say is an embarrassment of riches. I know we've, we've bemoaned that, um, Greg Stewart hasn't been, hasn't been delivering really. Um, he was very, he was very good against St. Johnston, but as you quite rightly pointed out, you know, he's, n- he's not exactly been, been racking up the assists and, and goals, has he? So, um, if, if McGood was to come back, I mean, he's probably, no, he's e- probably equal with Mackay Steven as being you know, the, One of the better options We would have in that kind of position
0: It's a question that might well be redundant anyway, Terry, I actually get this funny feeling And yeah. it's not based on being in the know at all Because we're resolutely, proudly Not in the know on this podcast But I get the feeling that We will, a funny feeling that we will Miss out on Nile. but fans Obviously are very very keen to see us bring through Guys like Scott Wright And guys like Frank Ross and Surely bringing back a thirty-year-old man again is just another barrier in their way.
1: I, I think there's actually, sadly, some truth to that. The heart would say, you know, the heart would say, uh, "Yeah, come on, now, come on back. We know you love the club. We want you to, to jump in." But it, it comes at a price. We, we know we've seen this many times. There's no, there's no guarantees that a player returns to the tawdry and that you get the same player. You don't. In fact, invariably, we we get a a lesser version of the player we had, and unfortunately it slowly tarnishes the memory. I would still love to see Niall come back uh, and, and, you know, absolutely be all guns blazing and prove that he is exactly the the player that that went away. But it does come at a cost, and you're right. The only way that you can turn these youngsters into the kind of players that, one, are doing great for the team, and two, then become saleable assets for a selling club like Aberdeen is to give them game time. And that can't just be against... You know the lower three teams in the league that that's gonna, you, you have to, to give them their time at, at Parkhead or at Ibrox, like like uh, like Ian Jess uh, or or any of the other youngsters and days gone by. So yeah, I mean there's there's definitely two arguments to it. But what I would say to Mark's point is, uh, yeah, on paper we have an embarrassment of riches, but uh, I think watching the games, I can't help but get the feeling that we're a little bit bereft of a Plan B, which is when we do bring somebody on, it seems to be very like for like. It seems to be that there's. We're not really changing much up, um, and that when one of our when a couple of our players are off form, it feels like the whole the whole team goes down. So maybe bringing in a guy like McGinn, who's well, it's, he's, he's been there and
0: he's done it, and he's you know international class. Maybe he's the sort of guy that could be a guy who likes the youngsters again. And uh, Terry's mention of yes, there um, reminds us to mention the. Some uh, the excitement on uh, Twitter <laughs> for Don <laughs> Fans as um, the man himself is now on Twitter. You need to go and follow him at uh, real Ian Jess if um, you aren't already, but I'm sure you are already because I'm sure I'm, even though I'm, he's <laughs> I have I've, I've already tweeted so him. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: and if we could just ask everybody out there to pester him to come on the podcast, that'd be really really good. We would really appreciate that. That could be your Christmas gift to us, just to ask Ian to come on our podcast.
0: That might uh, be... An- I'll ask you, Ian,
1: uh, Ian was actually back at the club when I worked at the tawdry, um, during the School Skodal year, so I'll tell you something. If, if, I'm sure you have stories for days just on the FB Skodal year, <laughs> 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 let alone when, what, what went on before and after. So.
0: Well, that might be in hand anyway, but we'll, we'll wait and see uh, how we get on. But yes, uh, I've got to be honest, that was quite an exciting... Um, that's as exciting as my Friday nights get now these days, quite frankly, to see that uh, Mr Jess had made an appearance um, and was liking our tweets. That was the first kind of inkling that he was on here. Um, one final thing, uh, again from Twitter, Craig Coyle asks, and it's again, it's a, it's a, it's a question on recruitment. It's, um, if we don't think that um, an attacking position is a priority come January What one position do you think would be the priority, Martin?
2: Um, Left-back I would like to see Graeme Shiney play in centre midfield um, And as much as I like Andrew Considine um, I think that other teams have probably realised that he is the, he's the weak link in the, in the team He's very solid he's, you know, He does his job But as Terry mentioned earlier on you know, he would admit himself he isn't a left back by by trade, um, and I think that it's something that you know as as time goes on, it really it will need to be addressed um, now the, the, of course the, the, the million dollar question is it's, you know, there isn't just a, a magical you know tree out there where you can just pick up a left back. Graham Shinney's best position for me is in central midfield so I would if we're if we're no, if we had to if we had to pick a position I think you know, it's maybe time that we, we've seriously looked at addressing the left back issue.
0: But surely you've got Shinney, you've got Constantine, you've got uh, Mark Reynolds and you've got Daniel Harvey to play left back. If you're wanting to take Shinney away from left back to play in midfield, why don't you actually get a midfielder in who can do the Shinney role?
1: I think I think I think Martin's well. I, I mean, I've said I said it already, but I think Martin's hit the nail on the head there, which is uh, you know we we carefully studied the transfer market for 20 years before getting Graeme Shinnie, as everyone knows. It, it, on, it only took us that long to, to actually get a left back that you could you could actually put in inverted commas as a left back. Um, so I don't think we've got that I time to spare again. Uh, and I would argue that uh, you know look look at the last three seasons, we've been consistently second, and, and now there's an expectation that we not just challenge that you know, we really want to be taking home trophies. So it's great that we've got the kind of players that we're talking about. But Mark Reynolds is is primarily a, a centre-half. Um, Harvey, possibly a little bit too young to be putting that kind of weight on his shoulders. Um, yeah, Andy Considine, he's going to be a Don's hero you know, long after his days are, are done playing for the club. But yeah, he does uh, turn like a cruise ship when uh, a winger cuts inside him. And I think that, unfortunately, is going to get exposed time and time again. So... Yeah, I would say that if, if we want Captain Marvel, uh, Graham Shinnie to keep excelling in the middle of the park, I would say that what we need is to go out and find ourselves a left-back that is not just going to be there for picking up on the left, but it's a player like Gary McKay-Steven needs a mobile left-back who is going to be showing up in behind him because he's not the sort of player that's going to be tracking back all game, uh, a la Hayes or even McGinn. He, he, he really needs somebody that's going to be able to push up and get back
0: Again, play devil's advocate here for a second. The midfield, we're gonna, we know we're gonna lose Kenny McLean. So, you know, uh-huh. you've got a guy who is maybe a left back playing out of position in midfield. Greg Tanzi, uh, as I touched upon on the last podcast, I, I'm not sure how often we'll see him. Neither Derek McInnes is staying. To be perfectly honest with you, maybe he might rescue his career, but I, I think McInnes places a lot, a lot. Of, faith in guys he can trust, and I'm not sure Tansy has shown that to date. To me, the the centre midfield is is the one that we need to be looking to strengthen because we know that we're going to definitely be losing a key player uh, come the summer.
2: We're going to lose two. I mean, Christy will be away as well, McLean will be away, so it's going to be, you know, the summer will be pretty much, well, I'm sure it will be addressed before the summer, but there's a pretty big rebuilding job to be done in there. It's
1: it's certainly the area that's going to cause us... uh... Enormous concern, probably sooner rather than later. I mean, if, if we're really looking at it on the, the balance of probabilities, can, could Andy Considine get through another season at left-back without, you know, too many order shows? Yes, I'm sure he could. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a concern against uh, quicker teams and teams that know know how to get service into him and behind him. But, uh, but yeah, we, we're going to lose McLean, and, and I think we've all got a sneaking suspicion as to who we're going to lose him to. Um so, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be, and we may very well want to cash in in January, um, if, if circumstances change, especially with the way this season's gone. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, so yeah, maybe it is. Maybe a midfielder is comes in. It'd be nice if we could find another Graham Shinney who could play left back in midfield, and we could have, be swapping them out all day long.
0: We talk about the league getting harder with Hearts and Hibs coming back up and the Rangers making their first entry into the Premiership. But um, what is definitely going to get harder, especially if the Rangers appoint a British manager and go to a more British-based recruitment system, is... Recruiting guys, you know, we, we had a kind of free run for a while, didn't we? Of the best young Scottish talent, too, we could afford, obviously. We couldn't go and buy Ryan Gold or anybody like that, but able to pick up McLean, unopposed, things like that. You know, we had a we had a free run. We're not going to have that anymore.
1: The sheer, they will, just to jump in, but I would say the sheer arrogance of Rangers, I think, and let's be honest, the concomitant Rangers, I think the sheer arrogance that they show consistently, despite having, you know, played down at the bottom the division and then tried to buy their way out of it, which is just staggering, you know, it, it, so long as they've got the likes of Jabba the Hun uh, and his PR company going, so long as they continue to be the comedy show, I wouldn't give them enough credit to suggest that they're going to change their buying strategy and start buying up the best Scottish players, because they still think, they still think, you know, their fans still think that they're in with a shout for Neymar. <laughs> you know, they, they still they still think that that's the, the planet they're living on. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's utterly preposterous. But I'd be delighted if they continue to think like that, because they will continue to spend millions and millions on absolute duds.
0: Even if it's not them, Martin. I mean Craig Levine in particular. Well, to, to be fair, he was probably heavily involved in the rather well, failed recruitment strategy at Hearts in the summer. But previously, his Hearts teams were built on that kind of success, picking up guys at, at smaller Scottish clubs.
2: Yeah, they're going to look at things like that. I mean, you know, but we have to, we have to kind of just look at our business. And you know, you say Kenny McLean was for. I don't think we've ever really seen the best Of Kenny McLean at Aberdeen But he's been a very good player for us um, You've got to look at that kind of level um, You know, you look at guys That are maybe at the top end of the, the championship That we could pick up young players so There has to be guys out there, you know um, We mentioned the left-back situation before I mean, you know it's it's a lot different now where, you know, we went and picked up we went and picked up the the so called best left back in the championship about fifteen years ago and that was it was Jamie McCalkin for Christ's sake. Um there's got to, there's got to be better talent out there now. Um and I think that Aberdeen are in a position now though where because we've had you know three years, three seasons of being being the, the, quite clearly the second best team in the country, there's something being built here. There's there's now stability in the manager role, there's no doubt that he's not going because you know He's probably you no. Know, I probably think Derek McInnes will be burnt that bridge to go into that club anyway. Um, so there's a bit of stability there. So it's an attractive place to come. Whereas you know Hearts are still kind of rebuilding, getting up there. Hibs are Hibbs are you know probably probably you know one of the bigger clubs as well. Um, but there is you no. Know, there's young talent. They'll look at Aberdeen and they'll see Aberdeen as a. As an attractive prospect, I think because you know well, we have been up there and we have posed a threat. You know, cup finals, European runs as well. That is attractive to guys.
0: Uh, well, runs might be pushing it, but yeah,
2: um... <laughs> yeah. Come, sorry come next season, you're quite right to say that runs it'll be increasingly more difficult in Europe next season. So,
1: and let's not and let's not forget actually <laughs> that you know we've, we've just gone through every six months we've gone through the Derek McKinnis circus, and it starts again in the summer. So. You know, it's like who's who's going to come calling for him this time? We'll see. It's it's going to be a constant problem, and that's just what we're going to have to live with if we want to keep him.
0: Yeah, well, as we've said a few times on the show, I guess the new normal, and uh, we need to deal yeah. with it better. And uh, as fans, and maybe the club, need to deal with it a bit better as well. Uh, But uh, that is our show for this week We'll no doubt come back to talk about the topics of recruitment um, On our last show of 2017 Which will be uh, post Christmas And uh, after the party game I would imagine Just before the transfer window opens And um, the tabloids get their fill of completely made up stories (laughs) For uh, a whole month Um, But my huge thanks to Terry McDermott for joining us tonight Great pleasure having back on the show Terry thank you
1: Thanks very much for having me on Absolute pleasure
0: and uh, Talking Dons again With us was Martin Cletus Martin, thanks Thanks very much Okay, so three wins in the past ten days And a trip to Parkhead Where they lost 4-0 last time right? Who knows, it could be a very, very happy Christmas Come on you Reds